Hey now, we are getting over and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times. That uh, With your WWE Elimination Chamber Ultimate Preview. That's right, getting over is back, not once again this week, but once again today. It is two for Tuesday here in the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast universe as Vintage Chris Nini and your boy Silver King Adam Silverstein are here to break down everything that happened this week in the world of WWE as we provide you with the most ultimate preview possible for WWE Elimination Chamber coming up this Saturday on Peacock. We have an absolutely loaded show for you today and it's been an absolutely loaded day of professional wrestling already. If you are just finding this podcast, please check our archives because we have a very special instant reaction pod that we posted earlier today uh, going through the big news of Cody Rhodes and Brandy Rhodes leaving AEW and potentially being WWE bound. We do not know. It is There is still a lot to shake out there. As I said, we have a separate podcast Go listen to it either before or after this one and catch up on our takes about Cody Rhodes and Brandy Rhodes. But on this show, we are here to talk about all things WWE leading into Elimination Chamber, the final pay-per-view premium live event. At some point, I'll switch uh, before WrestleMania 38, the final major show for WWE before its biggest show of the year. There is a ton to get to on today's show. So I would be remiss if I started without reminding you that this show, every episode of the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast is all about Defiance. So please head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify, leave a five-star rating on Apple, also leave a review, let people know how much you love this podcast. It would greatly help us as we build during our busiest time of the year, WrestleMania season. We want record listenership across all of our shows. And the best ways that you guys can help with that is by leaving those five-star ratings and reviews, following us on Twitter at getting overcast, retweeting, liking our, our posts whenever we put out new shows and telling your friends and family and coworkers and whoever else that your favorite wrestling podcast is getting over and they should listen to it before WrestleMania. So that's the intro. Let's get into the actual show. Chris and I are already pretty talked out uh, in the the special Cody Rhodes episode, but there is so much to get to in WWE. We are going to start with the good, the bad, and the ugly. And then, of course, we will give you the WWE Elimination Chamber Ultimate Preview at the end of the show. If you are a first-time listener, you're listening to us right before the pay-per-view itself, just check our our episode description. We will have timestamps in there, and all you need to do is jump to the Ultimate Preview itself. Also, Uh, Just a quick overview of what's going to be going down this week, just so everyone knows. Uh, We, of course, have this show, the WWE Elimination Chamber Ultimate Preview, barring more major news happening, requiring another special show. On Thursday, we will have our normal uh, NXT and AEW show. We'll be talking about everything from the week in AEW, plus the results of NXT Vengeance Day, which is happening on Tuesday. I'm very excited for that special show. And then on Saturday at 10.30 AM Eastern, we will have a very special WWE Elimination Chamber live pre-show for you on Twitter Spaces. Simply follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast and you will be able to listen to and perhaps join in on the conversation. It will be a 30-minute show starting at 10.30 AM Eastern 
before the WWE official kickoff show begins. And that will lead us into Elimination Chamber, which, by the way, starts at noon Eastern on Peacock and the WWE Network internationally. We'll get to all of that later. Let's first get into the start of the show. Everything else that happened across Raw, SmackDown, and I guess WWE media in between the good, the bad, and the ugly. Okay, Chris, now before we get into the nitty gritty and break down these segments individually, a couple really quick overview things I wanted to talk about from Raw and SmackDown. First, Monday night, dude, did you happen to notice that they added verbal words to the then now forever together intro to me? It was so strange and so off-putting. I wanted to know if you heard it and what you thought about it. So I missed it. I saw you tweeted about it. I didn't have it on my DVR to rewind and check. Okay. Uh, I missed the first like minute of the show. So I missed it, but I'll, I'm going to look for it now. Look forward. for it Friday and then ahead of the pay-per-view. But it was exceedingly strange. The words are so far spaced apart that it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, the intro was fine. It was one of the better intros we've had from WWE recently. But adding the words just makes it a total mess. The other thing I wanted to mention, SmackDown and Raw this week, were extremely similar shows. SmackDown had three matches through the first 90 minutes that lasted a total of 16 minutes, with a couple of them happening during commercial break. Raw, we had three short matches through the first 75 minutes of the show, but the stars of both shows ultimately were the women. We got a great 20-minute SmackDown Women's Championship main event on, of course, SmackDown that we'll talk about later, and a great 40-minute gauntlet match for the women on Raw. I just couldn't help but realize that these shows were carbon copies of one another in terms of what was bad, what was good, and in some cases, what was ugly as well. Yeah, I mean, we made the comment last week that SmackDown, in many ways, feels almost unwatchable. It very and much is. it kind of felt like that again this week. I, I, It's just the stuff that's happening is just, weird we're not getting a ton of wrestling it's it's just kind of a mess of a show right now and that that continued this week smackdown was a total mess raw started as a mess i think the second half was very good um the second 90 minutes of raw was very good the first was just unwatch i mean it was almost unwatchable some of the stuff they did let's get into it let's talk about everything that happened this week across raw and smackdown that did not directly pertain to Elimination Chamber. We're going to save all of those segments for the Elimination Chamber Ultimate Preview as we break down each of those matches ahead of the premium live event. So let's at least start with Raw here, where the I was excited for the RK Broga party, uh, given the success of all of these segments recently. Uh, there were faces and heels wearing togas, but there was only like a couple people, mostly because WWE's released its entire roster. <laughs> but if we're being honest... This segment kind of sucked. The best thing about it was Carmella. I'm just saying, okay? Uh, Randy yeah, Orton. That's the most action I've had all year. Week. It was. Randy Orton. Uh, do I have that sound drop anymore, by the way? I don't even know. That's the most action I've had all year. Yes, I do. And welcome back, Keith Lee. Uh, Randy Orton was hiding in his locker room saying he's not a toga party guy. Then Orton put over Seth Rollins' talent and his conniving mind. Riddle was playing a guitar back at the party when Alpha Academy crashed and took him out. 
And to me, it was a whole big letdown. So Broga Party, bad. Yeah, it's bad. You kind of expected it to be a big spectacle thing like the last handful of them had been. You find out, oh, it's just another typical backstage party. Right. And a kayfabe nitpick. This is weird that when Alpha Academy comes in and and, and knocks him down, the entire room is filled with wrestlers and they all scatter. <laughs> like, like, like nobody wants to like fight or something like that. Right. On the other hand, there were a lot of heels there. I think the majority of people might have been heels back there. I saw Commander Aziz and Apollo Crews, so maybe they have no interest in protecting Riddle. I don't know. I'm giving it a bad. It was just kind of whatever. It was just bad. Uh, so we had Randy Orton versus Seth Rollins, and this was the main event of Raw, but for some reason, even they, though they promoted it, I don't think they announced it before Raw, so I wasn't anticipating it. And even during the show, I found myself asking, what's the main event tonight? I don't understand. I thought it was going to be the United States Championship match between Damian Priest and AJ Styles, but it wasn't. So it was Orton Rollins. These two went at it in a major way. Rollins booted Orton while he was draped on the ring apron. Orton dropped Rollins onto the announce table. Orton nailed the superplex, but Rollins came back with his signature moves before Orton countered a stomp with a power slam. Rollins hit his rolling elbows. Orton avoided a stomp, but hit his draping DDT. Orton then RKO'd Rollins when Alpha Academy's music hit. RK Bro, Riddle, and Orton both attacked them on the ramp. Orton ran back into the ring, and as he was going in, ate a stomp for the loss. Very typical type of finish. Uh, I, th- I thought this whole thing was annoying, but it was understandable to do that finish to what I thought was an awesome match. They've had Rollins now beat both members of RK Bro in as many weeks, seemingly for no good reason whatsoever. I mean, the Orton one's a throwaway. That's fine. But we talked about Riddle last week and how that didn't make a shred of sense. I'm going to go with four stars and an A- minus for this match. And that's downgrading it. The action was just so good. These guys worked so well together and it was a damn solid main event. So yeah, if I'm giving the match that grade, obviously I'm giving the segment a good despite my criticisms. Yeah, definitely a good. Um, Honestly, I was surprised to see Randy get pinned, even if it was a distraction, delay, whatever. It was kind of interesting that Rollins got the stomp, didn't pin him right away, waited. I thought that meant we'd get a kick out and we didn't. So I was actually kind of pleasantly surprised to have the pin that way. So I think that was good. The match was good. Um, yeah, Rollins getting some wins. Match was fun. That That's another WrestleMania. I mean, that what, opened the show or something back in WrestleMania 31? Um, it opened the, the show or it was very early in the show yeah. when, Rollins, when Rollins lost yeah. and then cashed well, in at the main event, in the main event. This, this, ep- yeah. this episode of Raw had several like, hey, could main event WrestleMania or one night of WrestleMania type matches. Uh, yeah, this was good. So we had the United States Championship that I just discussed. Damian Priest against AJ Styles. This was in the first hour of the show. Priest had a really great falling uh, sit-down front slam for a near fall before kicking Styles' legs out from under him on the ring apron. Priest tricked Styles into trying the phenomenal forearm again while he ran the ropes, which is how he lost last week. Styles fell when he tried it, and Priest rolled him over. It wasn't a roll up. He like rolled his entire body over. It was pretty cool for the one, two, three in four minutes and 30 seconds. Styles offered his hand and Priest shook it. So clearly now they're establishing that AJ Styles is back in the babyface role. And I guess that he respected Priest for being smart enough to beat him. The booking of this, I have to say the booking of the finish was very, very good. It was smart and well done. So kudos to them on that. But this was a title match that was advertised for an entire week. It was part of a commercial free first hour of Raw. Why the hell are these guys 
not getting 15 minutes or at least 10. Like how many times do I have to explain letting people wrestle gets them over more than anything else? Four minutes and 30 seconds for any title match is an absolute joke. They had Styles quickly beat Priest last week and then Priest quickly beat Styles this week and ultimately it didn't accomplish anything. Nah, why give this more time when we gotta make sure we can embarrass her business in 90 seconds in an upcoming segment? The crowd, by the way, in Indianapolis was awful throughout this entire show, whereas the New Orleans crowd for SmackDown was incredible on Friday. This crowd was dead, so I wish I could say good because the end of the match, the booking, the, 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 the creative of it was smart, but they gave it no time and I just got a market zero. Market zero. This was bad. Yeah, I'm giving it a bad, although there were parts that I liked. Priest's face after winning the match, dude looked legitimately happy to finally have a win for the first time. It feels like a long time. Um, so good for him, but I just... I my first reaction is just the big picture of like what are we doing here? We we still don't have a Damien Priest character. Like he's still going nowhere. We thought, hey, they're finally going to get the title off of him. AJ will do something with it. You know, we'll care about this title. They can figure out what they want to do with Priest. And instead, no, we just went through the last four weeks to get to nothing. Priest doesn't look any better. He lost to Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens never got his title match. Lost to AJ Styles. Now, Beach is AJ Styles, but it's really quick, and it's with kind of a roll-up type of thing. And so, like, nobody got any better out of any of this. I still have no faith that they have any good plans for Damian Priest going forward. So I'm giving it a bad. Yeah, and that's really one of the biggest indictments of the entire thing. I totally agree. So I mentioned the Omos thing. So we had Omos versus, versus Hurt Business in a handicap match. Cedric Alexander ate a claw to the face. Shelton Benjamin got a couple shots where Alexander tagged in to eat the last ride choke slam off the top rope and lose in 90 seconds. So let's just think about this. They kept Alexander and Benjamin together. Let them keep the Hurt Business name, the colors, the theme, everything, even though they're not with Bobby Lashley or MVP, who use the same colors, and Bobby Lashley still has the Hurt Lock. And then they kept these guys together for you. So you say, okay, well, at least they're an established tag team and they're part of the division. But then they job them out to Omas in 90 seconds. Omas, by the way, Chris, your boy is dead in the water. All of that potential you saw in him, all the things that you thought he could possibly do, it's completely gone, both because of booking and creative and because I think I can do a little Barry Horowitz here and say, I was right. The guy, I gotta say, dude, he just does not have it. So for me, this was the down point of the entire show. Zero point zero. Zero point zero, Mr. Blutarski. And it was an ugly, if you couldn't tell. Yeah, I mean, I'm giving it an ugly for all the reasons you said. It makes no sense. Like, how, how, how do you not even think like, hey, should we give the Hurt Business name to them or not? Like, MVP should be pissed about that performance. And instead, it's just like, nah, we'll just forget about it, hand wave it away. Those are the little details that don't reward you for paying attention. Um, I mean, I I, th- I still like Omos. I just, I, obviously the booking's terrible and this does absolutely nothing for him. So I'm not going to blame him for anything that really happened in this. But he's just, not whatever. even excelling in the opportunities he's being given. It's just bland. But n- he's nobody just a guy. Looks, n- nobody looks, yeah, I agree. But 
this isn't the way to make him anything other than a guy. He may not get it. He may not figure it out. They may not figure out what to do with him. But yeah, this is ugly. Just, I was so angered by this. Uh, so Kevin Owens cut a backstage promo saying he knows he's not going to be in the Elimination Chamber. He accepts that. And he also believes he won't be at WrestleMania. He admitted to lying about his love of Texas, saying he despised redneck morons and that it was the ass of the continent. And I just couldn't tell if this was purposely ridiculous from a promo standpoint. Like KO is so apoplectic over not being in the elimination chamber and maybe not being at WrestleMania that he's losing his mind. Or if he just swung and missed on this one, which would be odd because Owens bats a thousand when he has a mic, let's just be honest. So I have no choice but to say bad because I'm judging this segment and this promo. Uh, so I'll let you get in here and then I have something to add, but I'm saying bad. I did not enjoy this. I got to say, I am heartbroken as a citizen of Dallas, Texas, to hear that Kevin Owens uh, would speak such ill of our town and our people. Uh, I, I am mad at you, Kevin Owens. And next time I see you, I'm going to let you know hmm. that the people of Dallas do not like you. And this was, yeah, it was, it was bad for what it was but it is setting something up so we kind of wait for that and you may be referencing that next without spoiling but right yeah so look there's a really huge potential spoiler and rumor out there when it comes to kevin owens and when it comes to wrestlemania and i'm not gonna spoil it on today's show uh, we are previewing elimination chamber there is a whole event to come but I have a feeling this spoiler is going to get so big and so out of control that we're not going to have a choice <laughs> but to address it on this podcast. So as of right now, I'm planning to address it on Tuesday, unless for some reason something happens Saturday that gives us a reason to talk about it. But Chris, I think I think it's best for us to save it at this point. But if you think about Kevin Owens and you think about changes that he's undergone recently and you think about the fact that WrestleMania is in Dallas, Texas. Um, and there's two superstars in particular who are well-known to be from Texas and major, major stars. You can kind of piece two and two together on what we're talking about here. It's big news that came out during Raw on Monday night, and it would certainly explain why Owens is in this storyline and giving this particular promo. It does not make up for this promo being bad, though. Like, that's what I want to clarify. You know, it, it could this could be happening and it could be something that we're excited about, but this was still a bad promo, even if right. that's the case. The the setup the setup was I guess the setup was he's mad because what, sixty percent of people in the poll said they didn't believe didn't want to see him, didn't, didn't believe, believe him. him. Like yeah. yeah, that was very it was very flimsy for him to turn on the people of Texas like that. So yeah, that's that's why it's it's bad. I think the setup. Well, no, his to... his promo. Look, look again. Owens Owens' worst promo, if we were, if it was in this segment, is a good normally for me. So this one yeah. for me was so bad that it's like the first time ever where I've said Kevin Owens did something on the mic that was bad. It happened to be this, and it wasn't even the subject matter. It was just the delivery. It felt like it was like a child. It felt like it was scripted, is what it felt yeah. like. And Owens yeah. is unscripted, and that's why. Yeah, I agree. And it, I think it's because the the 
the attempt at the story they're trying to tell doesn't is, is flimsy and it's kind of hard to do anything. Cor- yes, so, I think yes. I think that's the reasoning behind it. I agree. Yeah, yes. I, I have I have Sean Ross app muted on my Twitter, so his scoops don't pop up in my feed and. Even still, something's broke through. and Well, so multiple I've, people I've, have reported this. And I know. it's, it's certainly I've, a big I've, enough story where... I've set up, I've set up, so, I've set up so many uh, tweet deck filters to try to like avoid stuff like that, but it's kind of hard to when but you're on Twitter. Also. Something like this is, this is such a big story that just like CM Punk going to AEW, even if it's not confirmed, I, you're going I, to I, hear about it before it happens. And I, and, I, and I honestly don't even think it would take away from it, but... We'll see. It, it, it's there's that's the other thing. We're still almost two full months away, so there's no way some of this stuff is either not going to be announced beforehand or very clear beforehand. Because, yeah, yeah if, if Kevin Owens, if they have the plan for Kevin Owens, what's he going to do for the next two months? Like he can't be just shitting on Texas for two months. So right, we'll he's going to have to at least go through some other wrestlers who are from Texas or something like that in the interim. You know. Um, it would help if they had Keith Lee there from Texas, notably. Wichita Falls, baby. Yeah. So regardless, um, so it's it's TBD on the Owen storyline. Bad for this segment. Let's move on. Uh, Big E and Kofi Kingston fought Los Lotharios on SmackDown. That sounds like I've said that before. It's because it happened last week. Uh, the Heels got promo time calling themselves the Lethal Lovers. WWE added a kiss cam where they kissed a plant in the crowd. We got one minute of wrestling before commercial. Kingston took Angel Garza down outside with a Huracarana then blind tagged and hit an assisted flying double stomp for a near fall. Biggie ate a backstabber and a moonsault outside. Then Humberto Carrillo hit Kingston with a beautiful moonsault inside for a 2.5. Kofi took Carrillo out with Trouble in Paradise, only for Garza to stack Kofi up for the 1-2-3 in 10 minutes. So they did a direct rematch for no reason other than last week's match being good. Like Michael Cole on television literally said, these two teams had a great match last week. So we're running it back. Like that's what they actually said on TV. The New Day won. So there was really no reason to do this again. SmackDown is really taking, like I say it all the time, all those old negative characteristics of Raw. We used to call it repeat Raw or rematch Raw, you know, a year ago. And that's what's happening on SmackDown now. The positives, well, it was really good action. Los Lotharios got over and the crowd was on fire for the entire thing. The negatives, Pure 50-50 booking with a team in New Day that should have easily won. But I did enjoy it, and I was entertained. So overall, I'm going to give this a good, but the situation is really frustrating. I, I agree. With I mean, you, you laid it all out. It, it's it's good wrestling, so that's good. That's the step. That That's the first step to be like, okay, you need to take Los Lotharios seriously. It's 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 what happened with Dewdrop, you know. Like if you if you let them have a bunch of bangers, boom, like we're in a good spot. Right. So so it's it's a good, but let's build on this, you know. It, both teams, New Day and Los Lotharios, doing nothing. Biggie was a champion barely a, a month ago. and a half ago. Yeah. Yeah. We're do we're we're doing nothing with these guys. Like SmackDown just feels directionless in a lot of ways. Yeah, Big E was world champion six weeks ago. Now, he didn't lose this match. He was on the outside. But he's back on SmackDown losing in a tag team match with Kofi Kingston. I mean, it's just a joke. Uh, Street Profits fought the Dirty Dogs on Raw. WWE showed footage of Dolph Ziggler in NXT from last week. And then Tommaso Ciampa was ringside for commentary. He threw water in Ziggler's face after a superkick faint. That distracted Robert Roode, who ate the anointment and the frog splash for the Street Profits win in a couple minutes. Then Ziggler superkicked Ciampa and escaped. This was basically an NXT advertisement disguised as a match. 
And as always, my question is, why not do both? Why not promote NXT here and have a 10-minute match and let two really good teams go at it? This, for me, did not succeed as a segment. And I really doubt it gave anyone good reason to tune into NXT who is not already. I don't know how this sold that you need to see Ziggler and Tommaso Ciampa on NXT when the Raw audience doesn't know who Tommaso Ciampa is. So I'm going to say bad here. It's bad. I was interested in the NXT acknowledgement. The fact that we did not get any NXT in the Royal Rumble felt like, okay, they're keeping these things like totally separate. So to bring Ciampa in to show Braun Breaker on Raw via a clip was interesting, at least. But other than that, yeah, this was nothing. I I give it a... I'm, I'm kind of in, in between that good and bad where it wasn't like I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. So I'll, I'll lean good as in terms of it was just acceptable. I think the fair point in saying that WWE efforted to promote NXT, that is good. Like, I yeah. appreciate that and they should do more of it. But to me, this just felt like Wasted time. I would have rather them had Ziggler come out and cut a promo against Champa to promote that show. I'll see you on Tuesday. You know, give people a reason. Let them both go at it on the mic than just disguise it as a match with Champa on commentary. Again, when people in the WWE universe, the main roster universe, don't really know who he is. Right, but it was also, it's so, so often WWE hits you over the head with, here's this person, this is what they're doing, here's what happened, here's blah, blah, blah. This was like, they gave you a little bit. And it's like, if you want to know more what's going on here, you got to watch NXT. And I, I actually, I, I actually appreciated that. I'm still mostly just furious that we did not get Braun Breaker in the Royal Rumble, but that's another issue. True. Uh, let's keep going here. Uh, we had Inzane with Shinsuke Nakamura. Johnny Knoxville appeared at some oh. makeshift WWE store to ruin Sami Zayn's signage and merchandise. I think it was in Los Angeles. Nakamura and Rick Boogs came out to see Zayn. And it really seemed to me while I was watching SmackDown, like Boog's guitar is no longer live. And he's air guitaring on a real guitar. After I the thought f- that too. After the fail from last week. So it failed one time and WWE literally pulled the plug on it. And it's just like, okay, now you're not going to actually guitar. Terrible. Truly terrible if that's the case. It was very cool. One of the cooler things they've done recently to have yeah. the guy shred a guitar live on, t- on TV. Yeah, totally agree. That was... Okay. It was really cool. I, I had that same thought when I saw it. I was like, that doesn't look like it normally looks. Yeah, so so that sucked. Uh, it's it's really a shame. Uh, anyway, so they all talked crap to each other. Boogs got shocked by the microphone, which I guess was electrified on purpose. So Zane booted Nakamura in the head. Look, Sammy is usually so damn good, right? But there's something about these insane segments and his work over the last like three weeks outside of when he showed up at the red carpet. It's just not working for me. For some reason... This stuff with Sami Zayn, it, it has not been good. So obviously, therefore, this was bad. It's it's because it's all based around somebody getting shocked in something that's so obviously fake. Right. No amount of promo work is going to save that. So that's what they've been doing the last couple weeks. Yeah, this sucked. This was terrible. This was this was ugly. I have to ask, did you see Jackass Forever? I have not seen it. No. Is it only in theaters right now? Uh, I guess it's only in theaters. I, I saw it in the theater with a buddy last week. Yeah, I, I have Very not been to funny. a movie theater since the start of the pandemic. I mean, I I, want, I I need to see Spider-Man and I will go to a theater for it, but I just have not been to a theater since. The okay, pandemic. that's interesting. But yeah. yeah, saw it last week. Really just a great, just like, 
the dudes are back together doing stuff the dudes do. Like the dudes are doing dude stuff. Yeah, yeah. It was it was it was fun. I, I recommend it. Cool. Uh, okay. So just uh, one thing I want to note is, as clearly we're not doing spoilers on this show, right? Uh, this week's SmackDown because they're going to Saudi Arabia uh, for Blood Money in the Sand on Saturday. SmackDown was taped after last week's SmackDown. So there was an Intercontinental Championship. I'm not going to ruin it. Shinsuke Nakamura versus Sami Zayn. I do not know the result. So like I said, no spoiler here. My assumption has been when they booked this match, given Sami's the one getting pushed front and center recently, they're going to strap him up again. If they do, that would make a lot of sense for them to potentially put Johnny Knoxville in his challenger's corner at WrestleMania. Now, I have no idea who that would be, potentially, but I could see them going in that direction with the Intercontinental Championship match being set. And candidly, Nakamura's had a horrible Intercontinental title reign because he's been injured for nearly the entire thing and they haven't been able to use him. They should have dropped the belt off him a long time ago. So I'm not a thousand percent sure of the direction they're going here. That is my at least expectation coming into Friday show, Elimination Chamber, and then the road to WrestleMania. Yeah, that all makes sense. I, I I would pick and hope Sammy wins because, yeah, we need something different on this belt. Yeah, I, I just agree okay. with everything you said there. So we had Natalia against Aaliyah in a dungeon rules match that basically the match could only end via pinfall or submission. Natalia got one count on a Mishinoku driver, a one count. Aaliyah then reached for the ropes trying to break the sharpshooter, but since there was no DQ, Natalia hung on to the sharpshooter and won in two minutes. She attacked after the bell when Zia Lee made the save without any of her theatrics this time. She got some shots in before Natalia retreated. The crowd could not have cared less. The match time was pathetic. Two minutes to end what was a legitimate feud that they had developed between the two of them. Um, it was nice to see Zaya again, sure, but the whole thing was just a waste of time. I'll split the difference between good and ugly, and I'll just say bad, but I want to see Zaya Lee wrestle. I want to see Shotzi wrestle where the hell is Shotzi? By the way, where the hell is Sasha Banks? Bring these good women back onto television. Let them wrestle. I'm done with this shit. Is this four weeks in a row now that we've had Natalia versus Leo? Four in a row or four or five? It's at least like three. That. It feels like four or five. Like, this is, what are we doing? We've had so many matches. I, the story is, I guess, that Natalia is mad that she lost. Has Aaliyah barely cut any promos we continue to know nothing about her other than she's happy to be here dungeon rules i was hoping for some sort of dungeon match like they did back in the day when it was like owen hart versus what ken shamrock or something where they did yeah, a match like in in the heart dungeon like like yeah. have some fun with it do something yeah this was this was bad it was just this whole thing continues to be pointless and i don't understand what the end goal is if the goal is to be like Aaliyah is someone you should pay attention to and care about. And we have no reason to. They're, 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 it's just like, it's like it's happening on a complete other plane of existence and we're just observing it. And yeah, it's bad. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, like, I like how you just were defeated at the end there, just like I was. Uh, Maybe a surprise for you guys. Dana Brooke and Reggie were at Valentine's Day dinner as friends, which she made very clear through some really bad acting multiple times. And the other 24-7 jobbers stalked them and later attacked them. Reggie saved Dana again. He asked her if they could be more than just friends, considering, I don't know, she took him out to Valentine's Day dinner and she said, no, we're just friends. She friend-zoned him. So he shrugs, roll her, rolls her up, wins back the title, and left her with the check. 
And the funniest part about this entire thing was the referee grabbing some cookies like before he ran off with them to try to, you know, potentially count a pinfall. It was probably, Chris, the best 24-7 segment in months. So I'm actually going to give it a relative good, good relative to the other 24-7 segments. Um, because I have to say, I laughed at the cookies and I laughed at Reggie's reaction to getting friend zoned and Dana being stuck with the check. I actually thought it was a decent bit of comedy here. So screw, you know, whatever. Criticize me. I'm saying good. Yeah, it was it was it was good. It was a fun little thing. They 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 did, did something fun there. I, I think the larger you know story has not been good. It's been terrible the whole twenty four oh, yeah. seven title. But this specific bit was funny. So success, good. And then lastly, this isn't really something we need to judge, but it was really cool that The Rock uh, was on WWE narrating a Black History Month vignette for his father, Rocky Johnson, and explaining you know his legacy and how it led to The Rock's WWE career and his own legacy. I thought it was fantastic, nicely done, and produced by all involved. This, of course, preceded The Rock opening the damn Super Bowl with his old school promo style. If you smell what The Rock is cooking, a really good few days for Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, it's been interesting. He is acknowledging WWE a bit more. I think he posted a picture on Instagram or something of him and Nick Khan uh, at dinner around the Super Bowl or something like that. So uh, I don't, I don't, it probably doesn't mean anything for WrestleMania this year, but um, still something to keep in mind. And you can't help but wonder, The Rock cutting that promo at SoFi Stadium. Sounded, sounded like it was purposeful, didn't it? Well, also, literally one next year, WrestleMania yeah. is in that stadium. Yep. So, you know, you know, obviously we know they'd love to do it. So maybe they're inching closer to it. I, I mean, I guess to give this a good or whatever, but well, honestly, no grade. Yeah. I'll say that rock promo. That's the rock that I love. The one who's serious about getting you fired up and stuff like that. You get a lot of the happy go lucky rock you know, smiling, blah, blah, blah type of stuff he does. I don't like that. You get that a lot sometimes when he comes back to WWE. He cuts jokes, do, do that kind of stuff. But when he's like, you know, the LSU hype video a couple years ago, the Super Bowl here, when he's like serious, like nobody can, very few, if any people can get you more hyped up than him. So that, 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 that was really cool to see. Is there a chance we see The Rock at this year's WrestleMania? <laughs> In terms of making an appearance, possibly, an appearance. given the rumor around Kevin Owens, maybe WWE feels concerned at their ability to make a big show. He showed up at the last WrestleMania in Dallas and with the flamethrower deal and did the, the Bray Wyatt. I guess it was a match. The Eric, Eric, Rowan. Eric, yeah. Eric match. Um because I could see a scenario so, it's where it's possible I could see him coming out and just saying, "Hey, you know, this is the first two night WrestleMania." Oh no, no, I'm talking about something else. I'm talking about no. What, what are you talking? I'm about? talking about we see a scenario where we think WrestleMania is over with a certain Samoan uh, champion, you know, reigning over Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, and then the music hits and Dwayne Johnson comes out and you book it a full year in advance, like once in a for, lifetime, like you did for the Rock John Cena. Once in a lifetime, baby. I, I, hey, I'd love it. I, I, I don't want Brock Lesnar to win both titles. So that's certainly what happens, not. Yeah, certainly not. If that's what happens. I would be 100% all in on that. So I love that idea. Okay. Well, just bringing it out there. So, okay. That is the good, the bad, and the ugly of today's show, which means the only thing left is our WWE Elimination Chamber Ultimate Preview, also known, Chris, around these parts as... <laughs> 
the main event. So we have an eight match card here for Elimination Chamber with two men's singles matches, non-title singles matches added and changed very recently. So what we're going to do is we're going to break down this entire card from the low card all the way up to the main event. We're going to tell you what happened in these feuds across SmackDown and Raw. We're going to give you predictions for the match. At the very end, Chris and I are going to give you our expectation grade for Elimination Chamber. And then, of course, on Sunday, we're going to have our Saturday, I'm sorry, Saturday afternoon, we're going to have our instant analysis episode where we break down all these matches and tell you our final grade for the show. So, Chris, let's kick it off with the lowest of the low card here, surprisingly involving Drew McIntyre. We have Drew McIntyre versus Mad Cat Moss. On SmackDown, Cesaro fought Happy Corbin. Cesaro largely dominated the match, but Corbin won with end of days in four minutes. He was announced as undefeated as since he won the jackpot in Las Vegas. Now, that is technically true. He is 3-0 in singles matches. So undefeated, <laughs> sure, but the guy hasn't even had a singles match since October. I was going to say, wait a minute, he, he won the jackpot at SummerSlam. At SummerSlam in August. So he is undefeated, but he's had three singles matches in that entire time. Really terrible shit. Backstage, Moss had a very heavily made up black eye. He tried to get out of his match with McIntyre, but was obviously okay. McIntyre told him, hey, I changed the stipulation. So not only are we fighting again, this time it's false count anywhere. And he pointed the sword at Moss. This match, Cesaro and and, Ma- and uh, Corbin was pathetic and worthless. I know we're not in the segment right now, but this was bad television. Yeah, sucks seeing something like that happen to Cesaro. To to, to cry, but we'll say, hey, the end of days remains an awesome looking finisher. Yeah, but that sucked. And then we get the match for the show: Drew McIntyre, Madcap Moss. Look, I think we all know we're headed for McIntyre and Corbin at WrestleMania, which. Is not a WrestleMania match for me. I I was praying they wouldn't stretch this out. Clearly they're going to, and there's nothing we can do about it. So there's another six weeks to go in this feud. In order for it to continue, I have to imagine Drew McIntyre wins Blood Money in the Sand match to get get the kids happy over Mad Cat Moss, even despite it being false count anywhere, which possibly means Corbin can interfere. I'm going with McIntyre. Yeah, McIntyre, this is going to be, this is going to be a brutal month and a half, two months as we kind of get to this. Drew McIntyre won the championship to WrestleMania ago, competed in a championship match, world championship match last year's WrestleMania. I was going to have a freaking happy Corbin match. How do you not come up with something better for, for him? It's really a... SmackDown just has no creativity, dude. They got it's, nothing. They it's got nothing. terrible. It is a terrible yeah. show. Uh, we, also, McIntyre. we also have Rey Mysterio versus The Miz on Raw. Uh, Alpha Academy fought The Mysterios in a non-title match that was also not a champion's contenders match. Uh, Chad Gable got a ton of mic time to give a lesson about cheating. It didn't really hit like some of his other ones do. Miz and Maurice did commentary. Otis missed a Vader bomb on Ray. Gable countered three amigos into a German suplex bridge for a near fall. Mysterio hit an assisted tope suicida. And then Ray put Gable into the barricade with his sliding sunset flip powerbomb. Gable and Ray had a great sequence. They pushed Otis through the ropes into the ring post and hit a double 619 on Gable. Miz distracted them just enough for Gable to reverse Dominic's flying crossbody. For the one, two, three, Maurice yelled at Ray, distracted him, so Miz could hit skull crushing finale to end the segment. This was a super entertaining match with a finish that made complete sense as far as I was concerned for both sides. I went 3.25 stars and a B, but if you went a little bit higher, I'd be cool with it. Since they are doing Ray and Miz here at Elimination Chamber, 
that actually raises my hopes that they don't bring it back at WrestleMania. Or if they do, somehow it would have to be a tag match. But I really have no idea who Miz would tag with. So I'm actually appreciative that they're putting it on this show because I hope it means it's not going to be on WrestleMania. So overall, going into this, it was a positive development for me. I guess the only thing up in the air is what's going to happen on this show and whether they do plan to rematch it at Mania. If they do plan to rematch it, The Miz is going to beat Rey Mysterio here. Not even a question. My hope is that's not the case. So therefore, I'm going to go pick Rey Mysterio, the big baby face, to get a win. Remember, this is a real pay-per-view, even though it's blood money in the sand in Saudi Arabia. But they still do like to make that crowd happy. So I do believe the face will go over. I'm going to pick Rey Mysterio. Yeah, my my first thought is to pick Rey because the face in Saudi Arabia makes sense. But I'm trying to think like... What do these guys do at Mania if it's not a rematch? Do do we know. get Dominic turning on Ray here and that starts a Dominic Ray match? Uh, I mean, do they feel like they can do that now? In six weeks, um, maybe, possibly. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't really know what the tag would be unless you bring back John Morrison for some reason. Um, yeah, so there, there's, this, is, this is one of the hardest matches to pick, I think. <laughs> I agree. Because we don't know what's what's next for them, and that that plays a big role in all of it. So I'm I'm gonna say Ray, but I don't feel very confident about that. I agree. I think this is one of two matches that is really tough to pick on the show. Everything else is pretty obvious, including our next match, uh, the SmackDown Tag Team Championship, the Usos against the Viking Raiders. On SmackDown backstage, the Usos attacked the Raiders before an interview could even begin and stole their masks. That's literally all that happened to build this title match. Viking Raiders have been number one contenders for weeks now. Maybe there's going to be more on Friday on the go-home show. We still do have a SmackDown, so I don't know what happens on that show, but do I care about this match? Not at all, even though it does have the potential to be fun and exciting. It would make no sense for the Usos to drop the titles, so I have them retaining here. I think this will be. I think this could be a very fun match. This could be a very good match, but the pick is obviously the Usos. Yeah. Not much other other than say, other than I'm I'm looking forward to it, but I have no reason to think anything else is going to be different. So now we're going to get into the three women's matches on Elimination Chamber. And by the way, it is notable, credit to them, that there's going to be three women's matches consisting of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 12 women, uh, which will be the most by far at any of the Blood Money in the Sand shows. And, you know, we can simultaneously acknowledge that the promotional bullshit about WWE helping um, Saudi Arabia make progress exists while simultaneously noting that, hey, this contract started with no women appearing on the shows. And then they had one match and now they're having three matches with 12 women on one pay-per-view. So we can acknowledge that, that progress is being made, even though from a promotional standpoint, we know it's bullshit, especially compared to everything else that goes on in the country. Yes. And th- this is where it get, this is weird. Look, we, we don't like the Saudi shows happening. We just we, we, we don't like the sports washing that it's that it's trying to do. Totally. They, they, they talked about the first time women on a billboard or something like that. And this weird thing went on where a bunch of WWE wrestlers, including Bianca Belair, including a bunch of NXT talent, all tweeted essentially exactly the same line. WWE continues to influence the world. And Corey Graves said it on Raw. That 
I, that all feels really just gross to me to th- that 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 PR campaign for WWE based on what Saudi Arabia is doing. Saudi Arabia. Well, it's, still a, it's a PR campaign for Saudi Arabia. Right. Helped but but them, they're yeah. trying to, they're trying to, they're trying to spin it into look how positive WWE is. Right. They're putting is. themselves over. Right. Yeah. And you know, Saudi Arabia is still one of the biggest human rights abusers in the world. We Absolutely. Just, we just wanted to acknowledge all of this. It's all terrible. We don't like this is hap- that this is happening. It's also notable that yes, there are more women's matches on this show. Does that mean anything is changing in Saudi Arabia? I don't know. Probably not. No, but, no, it, it, nothing is changing. I mean, nothing is changing. It, and if it, it is, it's incremental, but it's like the worst person in the world donating uh, $10 million to charity. That doesn't make that person good, but you can still say, Oh, well, that's cool that the charity got $10 million. It, it's it's good. You know that WWE, it's good that WWE was able to convince them, whatever, to continue to have more women on the show. Right, exactly. That individual item is is cool to say. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we had we had that first that 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 revel that uh, the women's only pay per view back in the day a few years ago. That happened because no women were allowed at the first Saudi show. So, Absolutely right. And then look at how that has changed, which is yes. which is legitimate to say it has changed. That doesn't mean that real progress is being made just because women are allowed to entertain in the country. That those Correct. are two completely different things. Um, yes. But it is notable that there's 12 women on this card. That's really all I was saying. So yes. all these women's storylines, there's actually a lot to talk about because a ton happened across SmackDown and Raw. Let's start with a new tag team match that got added to the show. Ronda Rousey and Naomi versus Charlotte Flair and Sonya Deville. You might be wondering how we got here. I'm going to tell you. So Sonya Deville opened SmackDown. She said Rousey has been fined and suspended indefinitely. I immediately rolled my eyes, but thank God. Adam Pierce came out. He said, Vince McMahon knows that DeVille has been abusing her power and he is not going to suspend Rousey. In fact, he's going to put DeVille's job in jeopardy if she interferes in the title match. Naomi then smacked Sonya. It was good to get acknowledgement from Vince on this entire thing because Sonya really has been power mad and you're like, well, Vince is on TV, so why isn't he addressing it, right? But it did again feel like a forcibly convoluted storyline, just like last week with the she said, she said stuff with Becky Lynch that they started the show with something that didn't need to be part of it to get to the ultimate storyline. It also wasn't a great way to kick off SmackDown, not having any major stars in the ring or on the mic. Generally, you want to start the show with a big name to get people invested in the program. So I just wanted to talk about that opening and see if you agreed with me before we move on to what was the main event of SmackDown. Yes. And along those lines, why not just have Vince McMahon come out and say that? He's there. Or why, Adam why, Pierce why relate it from Vince. Well, yeah, like you had Pierce do like why not just have Vince McMahon do it? Like Oh, you're saying do the part that that Pierce did. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Like like I'm I'm gonna say this. The, the 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 WWE YouTube page on SmackDown, the number one thing with the most views by far is Mr. McMahon shuts down Sonya Deville, SmackDown. And I think everybody clicked on that because they thought Vince came out, but it, it's, it's not actually him. You could have it would have been more impactful if you just had Vince do it. And I feel like it would have been pretty easy to do. That makes a ton of sense. I didn't even know that it was number one on the YouTube page. That's interesting. Very interesting. Uh, so let's move to the main event. It was the SmackDown Women's Championship, Charlotte Flair versus Naomi. The bell rang with 24 minutes of TV left. Naomi hit a tope-style tornado and later a crossbody, a flying crossbody. The crowd got excited after she had a flying blockbuster for a 2.8. Flair reversed her into the steel steps outside. Naomi got another near fall after a springboard heel kick and drove Flair into the middle turnbuckle. 
but Charlotte caught her for a big powerbomb and a near fall of her own. Naomi got knees up for the double moonsault and immediately hit rear view, folding Flair over for a 2.9 false finish. That was great. The crowd jumped to its feet. Flair got knees up for the split leg moonsault. Naomi then hit a sit down full Nelson slam and spiked Flair's face into the canvas with a leg lock DDT for two more 2.9 counts. They got this is awesome chance. Naomi then did the split leg moonsault for another 2.9. She missed a rear view and got chopped down by Flair, who then hit natural selection for the clean win in 20 minutes. DeVille talked shit after the bell, so Naomi attacked her. Charlotte took out Naomi, and Rousey ran in for the save. She tried to injure Sonya's other arm before Charlotte pulled her out of the ring. Now, Chris, this entire thing ruled. The match was super fun, great wrestling. I totally bought into the false finishes. And while we knew Charlotte Flair would not lose, late in the match, they actually made me believe she might because so many different things were accomplished by Naomi that I kept saying, well, they're going to have her kick out of this also. But of course, the answer is always yes. Charlotte kicks out of everything. But it was another example of what I always say, and I've already said it on today's show. Let good wrestlers wrestle and they will get themselves over. The crowd was 100% behind Naomi. They were wrapped around her finger to the point that I could make an argument for them to actually go with a triple threat match, Kofi Mania style, um, Mm -hmm. and elevate Naomi into this Charlotte Flair, Ronda Rousey match at WrestleMania. They're not going to do it, of course, but I could make an argument for it. I'm going to say 3.75 stars and a B plus if you were in the A range, A minus range, I I wouldn't blame you. Um, The post-match wasn't great, but it made complete sense in storyline to insert Rousey. And I loved this main event of SmackDown. It saved the entire show, the first two thirds of which were relatively terrible. Yeah, this was great. And uh, like like we've, we keep saying, this is how you get people over. This is how you get people to care is by doing good wrestling. And I mentioned that the number one thing on the YouTube channel from SmackDown was the Mr. McMahon, Sonya thing. Number two was this match. By far, 811,000 views. That's more than the Ronda Rousey backstage promo. That's more than the Roman promo, more than Goldberg promo. People said, hey, Naomi Charlotte, I got to check that out. I heard something good about that. Or everybody's talking about her. I want to see what happened here. That got Naomi and Charlotte over. That's how you do good wrestling. This was great. I I, I give it a minus. Beautiful segment. Four stars from you. Yeah, I mean, that's, it deserved it. It was, it was really super entertaining. In fact, I probably am low. I'm going to meet you at four stars and an A minus. This was exceptionally fun and well-wrestled and a good story. The, the storyline made sense going into Elimination Chamber. The whole thing worked. We have the match now. Rousey and Naomi against Flair and DeVille. And I really believe this could go either way because there's two different avenues. One is for Flair to beat Naomi again, which is plausible given what just happened and knocking Naomi off of any chance of being on the WrestleMania card, but noting that she still had, or or, sorry, any chance of being in a title match on the card, but she could still potentially have her DeVille feud, or it's Rousey beating DeVille. We already know Rousey can get over on DeVille, and she's the one in this match who wrestles the least out of, at this point, all four women in it. So it really could go either way. This is the other match I mentioned earlier. There were two that I wasn't sure which way it's going to go. I think it makes the most sense to have Rousey and Naomi win and get another check on her list, Rousey over Flair going into WrestleMania, then to do it the other way for Rousey to take a tag team loss 
unnecessarily before Mania. That just doesn't make a lot of sense. So I'm going to go with the faces here, but I do really believe this could go either way. So who do you think pins who in that case? I think Rousey submits DeVille. I can I can see that. The other thing I can see is Charlotte pinning Naomi or or, or Sonya pinning Naomi to set up Naomi Sonya at Mania of uh, of some kind. I'm going to pick the heels here. Or what about Charlotte hitting her with like natural selection and then DeVille getting the cover? Where right. Naomi's like, you so, didn't really beat me. Charlotte did, but you just covered yeah. it. Yeah. I, that, that, that's my pick. I, I picked the heels in this one for, for that reason. I think it, 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 it'll further set up various things to happen at Mania. Cool. All right. Uh, let's go to the other big women's development. And there was two parts of this, actually, which is from Raw. We have an Elimination Chamber match, which is for the number one contendership for the Raw Women's Championship. Presumably, they will fight that champion at WrestleMania. Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley, Liv Morgan, Nikki Ash, and TBA, one person not yet announced. And sorry, Dewdrop and TBA, one person not yet announced. So on Raw, not promoted, we got a gauntlet match, uh, the winner of which would enter the chamber last. They'll be in the final pod. They get the advantage. So Ripley and Nikki Ash started. Nikki escaped Riptide, but Ripley caught her with a flying crossbody. She dropped her briefly, but picked her back up uh, for the Riptide, I think it was, uh, to win in seven minutes and 40 seconds. In a gauntlet, this sub match that was the first match of the gauntlet was the longest match on the first 75 minutes of Raw over a United <laughs> States championship match. I just want to point that out. Uh, Liv was pretty impressive next with Ripley. She drove her down for an X-Factor-like move. Liv escaped the prison trap with the ropes only to get booted in the face and hit with a riptide to lose in four minutes and 30 seconds. Dewdrop came in. She stood up really well to Ripley, but Ripley got a huge pop for hitting her with the riptide to win that in five minutes. And predictably last in the match was Belair. She countered Ripley and high stepped during a vertical suplex. Then she had a handspring moonsault. Ripley threw Belair into the steel steps, but Belair came back with a glam slam for another near fall. Belair countered Riptide into the KOD, but Ripley escaped. Ripley got knees up for the handspring moonsault and hit a missile dropkick for a near fall. Belair escaped the prism trap and hit a spine buster. Then she caught Ripley with the KOD to win in 15 minutes. After that, Belair lifted Ripley up off the mat and they hugged. And I gave that part a 3.75 star B plus. So yes, Naomi and Charlotte, I'm moving to an A minus of four. This 3.75 B plus. The crowd absolutely loved this, Chris. And I did too. Ripley was the true MVP going 40 minutes the entire match, bell to bell. You know the booking is good when the loser leaves as the star. It was great that Belair went over. She got the appropriate advantage in the chamber. But Ripley in this match was made to feel like a main eventer again. They did it all inside of one match. It was great creative here. Awesome to see all the women get at least a decent amount of time in a gauntlet going five minutes. There's no problem with that. The shortest sub match was 430. Again, really not that bad for a gauntlet that's going to go 40 minutes in the middle of your show. This whole thing was super entertaining. And credit to them for booking really good women's wrestling on both shows this week. 100%. This is an example of how if they want to make somebody a big deal again, they can do it in one show. And that's what they did. Rhea Ripley finally, for the first time in a long time, feels like that major threat again. And and that that's exactly what this was supposed to establish. Mission accomplished. Got some great wrestling. I really liked the Rhea versus Dewdrop uh, combination 
we, we, we got some combinations that we just we've never really seen before. And so the, the, the kind of battle of strength there between the two of them, that was really fun to see. Uh, everything, everything about this was was perfect. Normally you'd be like, hey, why is Bianca coming in last picking up the scraps? That's not really that's not really a, a face thing to do. But it was to set up Rhea as a fellow face, which is what they did with the post-match as well. So that's why it all worked. You elevated somebody in this match now going into it. I, this, was, this was perfectly well done. And commentary put her over huge. She also hit her finisher in every single match, with the exception of the last one where she tried, but Belair uh, countered it. So everything they did was right with Rhea Ripley there. So there is one spot open in this Elimination Chamber match, and... I think you and I both thought it would be a surprise that we would learn at Elimination Chamber, like the last person to enter, right? That's usually what they do. So instead, they decided to give it away. So we go to Alexa Bliss and her therapist. They're having a great conversation, and he's telling her he's so proud of her when he gifted her loose remnants of the torn up lily that Charlotte tore up, the uh, loose filling and, and part of the face and body, stuff like that. And she appeared ready to snap when she saw it, but she controlled herself. Then he brought out the fake Lily doll that we saw last week. And off screen, we were later told, he put all of that stuffing and old stuff from the Lily into the new doll. And then the therapist says, Alexa, you're going to be fine as long as you keep this Lily by your side. And Bliss said, what are you talking about? Lily's gone, which to me would have been the response you want from your patient, right? You want them to say, what are you talking about? This is just stuffing. It's, it, it's done. I'm, I'm cured, right? Whatever. But instead of, of saying, yeah, you're right. Good job, Alexa. You're cured. You're good to go. He says, you need to take the fake Lily doll with you so you have Lily by your side. And as long as you do, you're going to be okay. And I'm just, I'm my, I've lost my mind at this point. I'm, I'm looking at this. I, I rewound it. Did I hear that right? Okay. And I should note that during this second part of the segment, Bliss is wearing her silver goddess jacket that she used to wear back in the day, but she still has some dark features. And she said, oh, I guess I'm back. And then she claims the final spot in the elimination chamber as if she knew that was going on while she's been in therapy for the last six weeks. Am I the only one confused at this story? Like, you know, I didn't love the whole therapy deal to start, but it did come together. And I thought it was coming together on this show as well. Up until the therapist, for no reason, said that, hey, you, recovered psychopath, keep a crutch of the thing that drove you crazy. It's like telling an alcoholic to carry around a fifth with them at all times. What a terrible therapist. Now, unless this whole thing is a figment of her imagination, like... Elliot, when he was in jail in Mr. Robot, and if you have not seen I, that I show, doubt it. I doubt it. <laughs> you need to watch that, but you know what I'm talking about. If it's like that, where the therapist never actually existed and it's just in her mind, then okay. But they're not going to explain that. And because they're not going to explain that, this does not make a shred of sense. The resolution should have been Bliss completely ridding herself of the doll and turning a corner. Instead of that, not only does she still have Lily for some reason, when the segment ended, we got the same fiend-esque music. When her theme got changed, we got the same creepy music to end the whole thing. And I could only sit and shake my head and say, I thought they were doing this whole thing to get her out of the character. 
And instead, it seems like they just said, oh, you know what? You're cured, but you still need the dog. <laughs> so I, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me anything I just said was wrong. I have, I have no, like, the whole point was to, I, we, we all thought this was going to be to change your character back into something else. And instead, she's kind of the same thing. That, that point when the, 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 the therapist was bringing back Lily, even though she didn't seem to need it, I was like, is the therapist now like controlling her or something? Is he going to be a character? <laughs> is, is, is this going to be a long? Yeah. If he was her him? manager, that could be something. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Like, is he going to like take control of her and do stuff? But I, I, I guess not. She's just kind of the same character. I, I don't, I just, I don't understand what the end goal was from where we started. Because the last we'd seen of, of Alexa bliss was crying in the ring when she got ripped up. Like, there hasn't been any more of a, a, a downward spiral. She was just there. There was nothing to, nothing really to build her back from. She's just at the level she already was. I just, I don't understand what the whole larger point of this was. Well, if the, we're going to end up at the same character. The crazy thing is they could have just brought her back as a new character. They didn't have to go and do all of this. They decided to. It started terribly. It did incrementally get better or make more sense. But then the resolution isn't the payoff in any way that no. we thought it might be. So look, I think we'll know we'll have a better idea when we see her at Elimination Chamber, what music she comes out to, how she acts, if she has Lily with her, how her face is painted, if she's pale or if she looks more like the goddess version of her character. And then the, well, and also the context of that being in Saudi Arabia, I don't know how much we can take away as well from what her... True, she's going to be wearing a t-shirt like. and stuff anyway. So yeah, but it, it, all of that's going to be interesting. But if this whole thing was that she's cured but still carries around the doll. I, I don't know how that, maybe they remove the supernatural aspects of it, but she's now this weird woman who carries around a doll, which makes it even worse somehow, right? The the, the larger issue was that it wasn't Lily that turned her into that. No, it was Lily Bray was a Wyatt. figment, correct, right. It was Bray Wyatt who took her down this road to create this character. It's not like they need to re- you know, figure out how Lily turned Alexa Bliss into that because it's not. It was it was the constant attention in, in words of Bray Wyatt that did that. You can't you can't exactly undo that in a way without referencing that you don't employ Bray Wyatt anymore. So that's another part of all this. And that's why I thought the therapy thing might work because they, you know, it's a way to unravel it and get her back to normal. Maybe she progressively gets back to normal. Maybe Nikki right. Ash helps her get back to normal. So many that ways. Was that, my, that was my dream. Yeah, so many ways that they could do this. And now it just seems like she's the same character, maybe just not, not a psychopath. I don't know. We're, look, we'll find out. We've spent enough time on this. I just was so angry at the way at the way this final vignette went. I just, I could not believe it. As far as the match goes, yeah. Elimination Chamber, I'll repeat it one more time. Belair, Ripley, Bliss, Morgan, Nikki, and Dewdrop. That's your match. Um, I think there's a best case scenario, which is Bianca Belair. Because you go with Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, the rematch from SummerSlam. Belair gets over. She wins at WrestleMania again. Makes all the sense in the world. The second best case scenario, clearly after Raw, would be Rhea Ripley coming in and winning this match. You put Belair over on Raw. You gave her a moment. Now you're going to give Ripley a moment. That could make sense. I just don't think they're going Ripley and Becky. That doesn't have any fire to it. It has no juice. Belair and Becky clearly does. The only other person that can win the match now is Alexa Bliss being inserted into it. But man, I just... It is scary. It's a scary thought that they would think, hey, you know what? We should do Becky Lynch and Alexa Bliss. 
over Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair when Belair is clearly the bigger star. So I'm going to pick Belair. I think they're smart enough to know it should be Belair, but Bliss being in there, it's scary. Yeah, because in one way you're like, you know, you're bringing her back. You don't need to put her in the match because if she doesn't win, she's getting pinned. And is is that what you want from her return? Right, exactly. Uh, but the, the, my pick is Bianca Belair. It makes all the sense in the world. I think maybe Rhea Ripley, but I think kind of maybe not. You just gave her her moment on Raw. Liv Morgan, I know they like her, but she's not going to be WrestleMania singles match material. I would love to. Dewdrop would be fun. I don't think it, they'd have to figure out the heel heel dynamic again. She just beat her clean. Did it. They just did it, yeah. but I would enjoy it. I, I would very much like to see another one of those. So, but the, the pick is Bianca Belair. It has to be. Yeah, it just absolutely has to be. And let's stick with the women. Raw Women's Championship. We have Becky Lynch against Lita. So on Raw, there was a contract signing. They both got really good ovations. Lynch looked disheveled with messy hair and really bad mascara saying she hasn't slept all week because her teenage idol is trying to screw her over and she wants to retain the title, but she also doesn't want to ruin Lita's legacy. Lita said she didn't just have one match left, but a whole run. And by the way, that's the third time she has now said this. So in my mind, she's back in WWE and going to be wrestling for the foreseeable future. Becky said Lita's forcing her to go for her neck and end her career. Lita said the only thing ending is Lynch's title reign. This was short and sweet and most importantly, different. It was a different type of contract signing with Becky Lynch showing a different side of herself that we've never seen before. That, to me, amped up the excitement for the match. I thought it was a really strong go-home segment, and I'm excited for the match. As far as the winner, look, I just don't see a scenario where you have Lita beat Becky six weeks before WrestleMania when Becky's held the title all the way since August when she made her surprise return. It doesn't make any sense for her to drop it to Lita when you can have her lose it on a big stage to a Bianca Belair, to a Rhea Ripley, or yes, even to an Alexa Bliss, even though I, I pray that does not happen. So my pick is Becky retaining, but I did really like how we got here uh, on Raw. Yeah, this was a good segment. It, it, it was a different side of Becky, like you said. Becky did a great job in that role. Everybody did a great, just a really solid job of this. The pick is Becky to win, obviously, but I'm looking forward to this match. I'm looking forward to seeing what, what Lita looks like. And if it's the kind of match where we're like, whoa, Lita looks awesome, like she... I we really, really want to see a whole nother run from her. And maybe that impacts what they do at Mania or not. I don't know. But uh, yeah, pick is Becky. All right. So let's get to the three or sorry, two major men's matches on the show. What I would consider to be the co-main event, even though that women's elimination chamber is really one of the matches I'm personally most anticipating on the show. Uh, the Universal Championship. Let's start here. Roman Reigns against Goldberg. So on SmackDown. Reigns sat down for an interview with Michael Cole, who pointed out Goldberg's success in WCW. Reigns had a really good line. He said, if he was in WCW, it would still exist. Pretty good. Uh, WWE showed video of Goldberg squashing Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series 2016, you know, six years ago. Uh, Reigns dismissed it. Cole brought up the match not happening at WrestleMania 36. Reigns said Goldberg might have had a chance a couple of years ago, but given the run that Reigns is on, he's in God mode, all the pressure is now on Goldberg. Reigns then said he'll Goldberg Goldberg, basically noting he'll squash him on a big stage. Cole interviewed Goldberg later. He denied being over the hill, but it was a very boilerplate interview after that. The Reigns segment was decent. Paul Heyman played a particularly funny role behind Roman throughout the entire thing. The Goldberg part was worthless. There's going to be a face-to-face -face Friday on SmackDown. I can't imagine much comes of it. 
I'm just not excited for this match, period. And given, I think we know that Roman Reigns is going to retain the title, and maybe we can talk about a scenario in which he doesn't, but I have to believe he's going to retain the title here. So it's like, again, another, I think it's the fifth time I said that Goldberg has just randomly returned and gotten a title match for no reason whatsoever. It's happening again. It shouldn't be happening. Roman Reigns retains the title. I don't know what else to say. I did not care for these promo segments at all. I think that you're you're building up to your big line of I'm going to Goldberg Goldberg. Like that's that's not a good line. That was really much of a, a letdown. That was whatever. Normally I like I like Goldberg coming out to the ring and just yelling and just being passionate energy. That's what we like from Goldberg is the energy that comes from that. Not sitting in a backstage interview. Uh, so this was a real letdown. Not going to care about for the match. Roman's going to win. I don't see any scenario in which Goldberg wins because Brock said he's coming for Roman and he's coming because he's using his Royal Rumble win for Roman. For he's the not universal gonna, title, right? Yeah, he's not going to use it for Goldberg. So I know, I know there have been cases in the past where you've been concerned that Goldberg could win, and obviously he has won a couple times. But I, I don't see it at all happening here. Well, the the scenario in which Goldberg wins, let's just play it out. You know, just in case the scenario in which he wins is Brock Lesnar giving retribution to Roman Reigns for doing what Roman Reigns did to Brock Lesnar, i.e. runs in, spears Reigns, F5s him, Goldberg spears Reigns, pins him one, two, three. That is how it would happen. Then you say, what the hell happens next? Well, there's two options. One would be a triple threat at WrestleMania. Could you even imagine Reigns, Goldberg, and Lesnar like I can't even I can't even think of that happening. Right? It blows my mind that like I even thought about it. I hope it doesn't happen. Um, that is a possibility. Or you have Bobby Lashley, who's going to feel screwed, potentially coming out of Elimination Chamber, gets a rubber match with Goldberg, wins the title from Goldberg at WrestleMania. The, 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 that's how that could play out. I do not think it's going to. I give that a 5% chance of happening. But... That is the only other way this could go, in my opinion. I I I don't see it. I I I think we're I think we're just stretching. I'm tr- I don't think it's look. Going I'm to trying to you know people want to know what could happen if it's not the obvious, but the obvious is so obvious, you know that that's the problem here. Mm-hmm. So I'm just giving I'm just giving a possibility. That's all. I was I was running. Running the play, trying to see where it would wind up. Yeah. Okay, let's get to the main event. The WWE Championship is going to be on the line. Bobby Lashley defending inside Elimination Chamber against Brock Lesnar, Seth Rollins, Austin Theory, AJ Styles, and Riddle. So let's talk about what happened on Raw before we get to our prediction and all of that. So Lashley and MVP opened the show with a modified kind of Steiner math promo, but it wasn't supposed to be funny. Rollins came out to face cheers and got the crowd standing saying he's going to be the only one other than Lashley who could actually walk out with the title on Saturday. Riddle said it would be cool to win both titles, that and the tag team titles. Theory said he must win because he can't let Mr. McMahon down. Styles said he wanted a WrestleMania moment and also wanted to be double champion. Lashley badly stumbled through a promo on each guy and then he called out Lesnar, who entered last. Lesnar used Theory as a coat rack. He put his jacket and his hat on him before he stared down Lashley. Theory... Tried to jump Lesnar from behind, but failed. He ate two German suplexes and an F5. And then Lesnar took a really funny selfie with Theory's phone that they posted on Twitter at the end. This was a very typical go-home show segment. 
Uh, it started well. I thought it cooled off massively at the end. And it actually telegraphed a lot with Lashley individually calling out Lesnar on his own, even though Lashley has already beaten him. So why are you calling him out again? And Styles clearly now being in the quote unquote WrestleMania moment gimmick zone. There's one person every year who is obsessed with getting a WrestleMania moment because otherwise they don't have a feud or a reason to get one. And this year that's on AJ Styles. You uh, So this segment alone, they telegraphed, and as far as I'm concerned, Lesnar winning on Saturday and Styles getting someone prominent, maybe like Edge at WrestleMania for his match. I did like Theory getting tossed around by Brock. That was fun. But overall, this was just kind of a dud. It wasn't good. It wasn't bad. It was just something that I expected to happen, and it went pretty much as expected. Yeah, I was. there were a number of slip-ups from Bobby, which has not been the case. He's been really, really good on the mic for quite a while now. Yeah, it's just been rough recently. Yeah, yeah maybe it's just because there's so many people involved. It's, it's a lot going on. This was... This was fine. It was a typical WWE multi-man match coming up. So we do the promo parade and and we end with that. Brock dressed the way he was, was hilarious. The selfie was hilarious. It, 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 it worked. Um, it, it was fine for what it was, um, but not much, not much else to it really. Very true. So uh, I do have a DM because look, predictions. We both think Lesnar's going to win, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. All right. So our predictions are Lesnar wins title versus title unnecessarily at WrestleMania. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But Nick Flynn at nflynn underscore 17, he said, look, we all fully 100% expect Brock to win the title. But what if Brock winning is a swerve, bloodline interferes and costs him the title? That's possible. And they go with someone else to win. Who is the best pick for the winner? And what's the WrestleMania matchup you guys would want to see them in? So I think that's a really good question. I'm going to lay that right out there for you, Chris. If not Brock, who do you think should win? And what do you think their WrestleMania match should be? If it's not Brock, I think Bobby Lashley should keep the belt. And as for who he fights, probably Big E. But he's on SmackDown yeah, now. he's on SmackDown So now. I don't know if he can. Drew no, is also no. on SmackDown. Drew is also on SmackDown. I would say I would limit uh, yourself to a Raw superstar because both those guys yeah. are over there and yeah, they're not coming back. Trying to think who's left. Rollins, maybe Rollins. It, it might be Rollins, honestly, at this point now because we. I was thinking we were going to do a Seth freaking Rollins against Kevin Owens, but now it looks like Kevin Owens may be doing something else. So I'd have Bobby keep the belt and if it has to be someone who's currently on Raw, probably Bobby versus Seth. So I think it depends on a couple of factors. Um, if they have another plan for Bobby Lashley, then I think you can do Bobby against that person. You know, I, I don't know even who it would be. Um, and you put the title on Seth Rollins and you have him fight AJ Styles at the pay-per-view. I mean, that that, that is a true a WWE championship match. I like that idea. That would be really, really exciting. But the most likely scenario if Lesnar does not win, I have to believe, is Bobby Lashley, like you said, retaining the title. And like you said, Seth Rollins challenging him for the title as a babyface. Maybe he's already made the switch from heel to tweener. Maybe they make the switch all the way in this match. Rollins fully turns face and you have Lashley Rollins at WrestleMania. That is what I would do, which is basically what you said. Um, I think Rollins 
Styles is the better match and the better feud. But given the constraints of us being six weeks out, Lashley currently being champion, Styles just starting to get built back up, I think the more likely, if it's not Lesnar in any way, is Lashley Rollins. But look, Lesnar's going to win. They've telegraphed the title versus title thing. I still disagree with it. I disagreed with it from the first second that Reigns ever said it, um, that Lesnar bringing it back up, you know, Reigns bringing it back up. It's just, it is such a bad booking decision by WWE to take your two main event world championships for men and shove them into one match when you're not only trying to, or you should be trying to get other people over and put other people in the main event scene, but you're booking two nights of a pay-per-view. This is not a one-night show. On a one-night show, I could accept it a little bit better when we had the women do it. The Raw and SmackDown Women's Championships, both on the line in the main event of a one-night WrestleMania 35. But if you're doing a two-night show in Dallas, Texas, a major area, and you're trying to sell out both shows, which they're probably not going to do even if they announce they do, then I just do not see why you would put both titles in one match and not have championship one of the championship matches on the first night. It is mind-boggling to me for them to make that decision, but it seems like it's clearly the direction that we're headed. Roman Reigns retaining, Brock Lesnar winning the WWE Championship, them fighting each other title versus title at WrestleMania. Hey, I, I'd love for it to be a swerve. That that whole idea, the bloodline costs Brock, so it's not title versus title, I, I, I love it. I hope that happens I because, yeah, filling out this card... I don't understand. We've said it time and time again. I don't understand why you even need to do title versus title. These two don't need a title, let alone two. Right. I, I just, I don't see the need for it. By the way, WrestleMania tickets are still very, very expensive. I don't know if they're not all available or what, but I've, I already have my tickets. I've been periodically just looking to see where the tickets are going. Seems to be either they're not all available or what's left on SeatGeek is all pretty expensive. So I don't know how that's going. Well, they are doing, but they, they do, they just did a promotion for Valentine's day of a buy one, get one free. And, and that's, they did. those are limited sections and certain types of tickets. Yes. So there are and tickets the, available, but my guess is the good seats are mostly gone. Yeah. Well, uh, like I click, I just, that, I looked at that promo to see where the seats were available. And they're, unless you're like back by the, the screen, they're, they're minimum like 500 bucks still from what's left. That's not the very top, top stuff. That's not even available on SeatGeek. So I, I don't quite know what the whole situation is but yeah i don't want to see i'm going but i don't want to see title versus title I, I think you're just you're unnecessarily cutting yourself off from having a second championship match especially I, I, because I, your mid-card titles are so weak at this point yeah like you have damian priest who's a extremely weak u.s champion and either shinsuke nakamura or Sami Zayn. i'm not saying they're bad intercontinental champions but it would either be an immediate switch or a guy who's barely defended the title and in neither brand smackdown or raw is there a mid-card feud right now for one of the championships or nor is there a clear contender somewhere where you'd say it would be great if this person won that title. Mm -hmm. So right now you're sitting here and you're like, what championship matches are there going to be at the pay-per-view? It's pretty clear that RK-Bro will be in a tag team title match either as champions or as challengers. I would assume from the SmackDown side with the Usos as champions, they're probably going to do a multi-team match or something like that. And I guess they could do a multi-man ladder match for the IC or for the US title. And that would be really exciting and make a lot of sense. But again, when you when you don't have your mid-card titles 
as strong as they could be, particularly the Intercontinental Championship. The legendary Intercontinental Championship is a throwaway title at this point. When those titles mean nothing, and then you take both of your world titles and you shove them into a singular main event on night two, you're handicapping yourself. You're cutting yourself off at the knees in terms of your ability to book big matches for this show. And I just don't know why the hell Vince McMahon would believe that title versus title would sell more tickets, which is really what this is all about, selling Mm -hmm. more tickets, than Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns on the storyline that we already had that we were loving, them going in the title versus title direction. It's actively making me dislike the storyline that they had me all in for on the beginning of the road to WrestleMania. It it devalues all of your belts for that reason. They've done a great job with Roman making the universal belt feel like the most important belt. If you change the the belt at day one, at Royal Rumble, at Elimination Chamber, and then maybe at WrestleMania, that's four times in like in four months, essentially. I I, I don't... I, I, and I'm someone who likes the title changing hands, but not that frequently. And by the like, way, let's let's not even, uh, sorry to interrupt you, let's not even, or we haven't even gotten to the end of the match. So that match needs to end, which means unless they did a DQ finish or something that would just, in, you know, enrage us to an nth degree, someone's walking out of there with both championships, which means either they're going to merge the titles and have an undisputed champion, or they're going to, have Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar lose one of the titles like they did with Becky Lynch or relinquish one of the titles like they did with Keith Lee when he was NXT and North American champion. Any of those three things is bad, is the wrong decision. Unifying them is bad, and I don't think the two TV networks would be okay with that. Relinquishing one is bad uh, because it just completely devalues the title. This one's not as good as the other one. And losing is bad because then, let's let's say Reigns wins and takes both titles, then his first loss is just like Kenny Omega's first loss that I criticized in AEW. It's a throwaway, and you're like, oh, well, he lost, but he still has another championship. So mm-hmm. how does that really make how does that really make an impact? It doesn't, no pun intended, because it was the impact world title that he lost. Uh, so none of the potential developments here is good. And we've already talked about the fact that Roman Reigns, champion for I don't even know what the number is now, dude. You can tell me. I was going to say 520 days. 500 plus days, the whole goal of this reign should be to put someone over at the end of it. To put over Big E or Drew McIntyre or Finn Balor or Seth Rollins or whoever you want to put over. Instead, they may use this booking, this two years worth of booking, to put over Brock Lesnar, who does not need a title, as you said, let alone two titles. And he does not need to be put over by anyone because he's arguably the biggest star in the company, at least from a name value standpoint. So what is the purpose of this entire WrestleMania booking, Chris? I cannot get there. I can't figure out what they're thinking. I don't know. And we'll, we'll have two months to get into it more. We'll, we'll see what happens in Elimination Chamber. Maybe we'll be pleasantly surprised and, and Lesnar doesn't win. But, you know, we're, we're all going to be picking Brock for this match. That is true. Now, Chris, that is our full breakdown of WWE Elimination Chamber Ultimate Preview Style. The last thing for us to do is give a pre-show expectation grade. And and let's remember here, we were very bullish, both of us, on the Royal Rumble, myself more so than you, only for my grade of that show to come down drastically for one of the most, if not the most, disappointing WWE pay-per-views, premium live events that we've gotten 
since the start of this podcast, if we're, we're being mm-hmm. honest. Uh, so here we go. Elimination Chamber, Blood Money in the Sand, Saturday afternoon at noon on Peacock. What is your pre-show expectation grade for the Chamber? This is tough. I think this is also going to be a long show, I think. We've got eight matches. Two of them are Elimination Chamber matches. One of them's a false count anywhere. This is going to be a pretty long show. As we talk about, do we do we expect any major title changes? I guess technically yes with Brock, but that's not one we're really into. I do think there are some matches that could be pretty good. I think the Elimination Chamber matches will both be good. I think Usos Viking Raiders will be good. Um, I'm gonna say. I'm going to say B. And I don't know if that's coming off of the rumble and how bad we thought, but I think, I, I think the you know, crown jewel was a great show. That was up for show of the year. The last time they were in Saudi Arabia, that was a WrestleMania card. Yep. This, this, this isn't quite that. This isn't that. And I, in Goldberg's a factor in that. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say B. Yeah. I think this is a pretty solid, WWE pay-per-view card with the two elimination chamber matches clearly for me being the most exciting on the show. I'm very amped up to see both of those, see how they transpire. If they go completely to expectation, uh, if there's any swerves, I think there are, there's enough of a possibility for swerves to happen where this show could get to an A, but I really believe the ceiling of it's a B because even if both elimination chamber matches, and let's also say the Becky Lynch Lita match delivers, Pretty much nothing else. Those other three men's singles matches, nothing special is going to happen in those. Uh, the tag team match, it could be good. It could be mediocre. Who knows how much time it gets. And the women's tag team match, I mean, R- Rousey has not been great since she returned in term- from a physical standpoint. So I don't know how high of a ceiling that goes. So I think this show could very much entertain, but I don't think it has any opportunity to be an A pay-per-view unless things happen that we just completely do not expect. So... I'm going to do two things. I'm actually, I was going to raise my grade a little bit because of how good Crown Jewel was, the remembrance of that. But simultaneously, I would have to downgrade it because we're coming off of the Royal Rumble, which was the most disappointing show for us in basically two two years, I would say. So because of that, I started at a B and I'm going to finish at a B. I can't go down to B minus or up to B plus. So I'm going to come in with an expectation of a B, a good show that sets the stage for WrestleMania. Even if we don't love the booking, Like, I'm not going to downgrade them for Reigns retaining and Lesnar winning the WWE title as long as those matches are good. As long as I'm entertained by the show, it can still be a B, even if I don't agree with the book. Yeah, this doesn't feel as much as it's like setting up WrestleMania. There there will be a couple if if Brock wins, you know, the Women's Elimination Chamber. It's going to impact what happens at WrestleMania, but it more kind of feels like a small step toward mania and as opposed to where the rumble feels like this sets the table for WrestleMania elimination chamber doesn't quite do that as much. Yeah, I completely agree with that. So that is our full WWE elimination chamber ultimate preview. A little bit of a reminder about what's coming up here on the getting over wrestling podcast. First of all, if you missed it, we had a very special instant reaction show out earlier Tuesday. This is officially a two for Tuesday Uh, breaking down Cody Rhodes and Brandy Rhodes leaving AEW and possibly going to WWE. So if you 
just finished this show and you haven't listened to that one yet, you can go back and listen to it. As far as the rest of the week on Thursday, we will have a full breakdown of NXT Vengeance Day, which airs Tuesday on USA Network, along with a recap of everything else that happened this week or everything in totality, I should say, that happened this past week in AEW. All of that's coming up Thursday on Saturday, 10.30 a.m. Eastern. We will have a WWE Elimination Chamber live pre-show for you on Twitter Spaces. Follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. It will be a 30-minute show. We'll break down this card once more, talk about go-home moments from SmackDown that need to be factored in. And at the end of that show, the live show on Twitter Spaces that you guys all get to listen to, you get to contribute as well. You open up the mics, let you guys ask questions, make comments. It's a great reason to join us for that show. That will end at 11 a.m. Eastern, so you can watch the WWE kickoff show and then see WWE Elimination Chamber. And as soon as Elimination Chamber goes off the air Saturday afternoon, Vintage Chris Manini and your boy, the Silver King Adam Silverstein, will be back with instant analysis of WWE Elimination Chamber. So a huge week of wrestling audio. It's already started and it's going to continue through Saturday. Please, folks, do not forget that the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast is always so head on over to apple Podcasts and spotify leave a five-star rating for us also leave a review for us on apple Podcasts. let people know how much you love the show please tell your friends and family about getting over share when we tweet out new episodes we want new listenership of course and wrestlemania season is normally our biggest of the year so it'd be great if you guys can help us towards that end as i mentioned do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. So for Vintage Chris Vanini, this is the Silver King Adam Silverstein. We're going to see you plenty more this week, but I'm just going to leave you at this point with three final words. Bye for now. <laughs>